and they no longer swagger and tell loud-voiced adventure, or sing their wild river songs in the same old abandon. For there are streets at Athabasca Landing now, and hotels and schools, and rules and regulations of a kind new and terrifying to the bold of the old voyageurs. It seems only yesterday that the railroad was not there, and a great world of wilderness lay between the landing and the upper rim of civilization. And when word first came that a steam thing was eating its way up foot by foot through forest and swamp and impassable muskeg, that word passed up and down the waterways for two thousand miles, a colossal joke, a stupendous bit of drollery, the funniest thing that Pierre and Henri and Jacques had heard in all their lives. And when Jacques wanted to impress upon Pierre his utter disbelief of a thing, he would say, "'It will happen, monsieur, when the steam thing comes to the landing, when cow beasts eat with the moose, and when our bread is found for us in yonder swamps.' And the steam thing came, and cows grazed where the moose had fed, and bread was gathered close to the edge of the great swamps. Thus did civilization break into Athabasca Landing. Northward from the landing, for two thousand miles, reached the domain of the rivermen, and the landing, with its two hundred and twenty-seven souls before the railroad came, was the wilderness clearinghouse which sat at the beginning of things. To it came from the south all the freight which must go into the north. On its flat river front were built the great scows which carried this freight to the end of the earth. It was from the landing that the greatest of all river brigades set forth upon their long adventures, and it was back to the landing, perhaps a year or more later, that still smaller scows and huge canoes brought as the price of exchange their cargoes of furs. Thus, for nearly a century and a half, the larger craft, with their great sweeps and their wild-throated crews, had gone down the river toward the Arctic Ocean, and the smaller craft, with their still wilder crews, had come up the river toward civilization. The river, as the landing speaks of it, is the Athabasca, with its headwaters away off in the British Columbia mountains, where Baptiste and MacLeod, explorers of old, gave up their lives to find where the cradle of it lay. And it sweeps past the landing, a slow and mighty giant, unswervingly on its way to the northern sea. With it, the river brigade set forth. For Pierre and Henri and Jacques, it is going from one end to the other of the earth. The Athabasca ends and is replaced by the slave, and the slave empties into Great Slave Lake, and from the narrow tip of that lake the Mackenzie carries on for more than a thousand miles to the sea. In this distance of the long water trail one sees and hears many things. It is life. It is adventure. It is mystery and romance and hazard. Its tales are so many that books could not hold them.
In the faces of men and women they are written. They lie buried in graves so old that the forest trees grow over them. Epics of tragedy, of love, of the fight to live. And as one goes farther north and still farther, just so do the stories of things that have happened change. For the world is changing, the sun is changing, and the breeds of men are changing. At the landing in July, there are seventeen hours of sunlight. At Fort Chippewyan, there are eighteen. At Fort Resolution, Fort Simpson, and Fort Providence, there are nineteen. At the Great Bear, twenty-one. And at Fort McPherson, close to the Polar Sea, from twenty-two to twenty-three. And in December, there are also these hours of...